Welcome to Behind the Headlines for the week ending July 24th, 2020. I'm Michael Curran from the Ottawa Business Journal. This podcast is a weekly look at the top local business stories uh, from Ottawa, Canada. And once again, I'm joined uh, by two of our Ottawa Business Journal editors, Peter Cabessi and David Sally. In this week's podcast, we'll look at a major Ottawa Gatineau attraction that is gambling on a re, uh, reopening. A massive development in the city's east end that could bring uh, more attention to a somewhat forgotten part of the city. And also how the rubber tire market is breathing some light, uh, life excuse me, into local hotels. Uh, so let's go behind the headlines right now with story number one. Uh, Dave, we're going to start off with a look at the uh, Hilton Lacalini uh, Casino. Uh, it opened uh, after many, many weeks, months of being closed. Um, tell us about some of the changes that visitors to the casino might see these days. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Uh, as you know, probably most of you in Ottawa here have been to the casino at least a few times. Well, uh, as uh, Catherine Schellenberg, the um, their, the casino's uh, uh, spokeswoman, told me this week, it's open again as of yesterday, but it's not the casino that people are used to. That's for sure. Uh, there have been a lot of changes a lot of new measures put into place to ensure the safety of, of customers and employees alike. So the biggest one off the top, you want to go uh, just, hey, I want I feel like playing the slots, drive over, want to walk in. Well, you're probably going to be out of luck. Um, they are taking advanced reservations online. And if there are spaces available, they'll let walk-ins come in. But that is by no means a guarantee, simply because one of the other big changes is the casino has now been divided up into four distinct zones um, that that can uh, hold a maximum of 250 people each. Uh, you cannot move between the zones. You're given a special barcode that gets scanned when you go in the door. You park in a specific parking lot for each zone, and you're expected to stay in that zone for the remainder of your stay. Um, so that's one big change. Now, uh, there's and each of the zones has different uh, one of them is reserved for table games one is only for slots and the other two have a mix of both um, but once you're there you've got to stay there so um, uh, there's only going to be one restaurant open for grab and go food all the other bars and restaurants are closed for now um, there's no time limit on the reservations but Schellenberg says they're they're not encouraging people to just come in and hang out uh, they want you to you know do your gambling, spend your money, and uh, and make way for other people. Um, other things that you'll see, um, you cannot touch the, the slot machines anymore. You'll be given a rubber tip stylus uh, that you use to touch it. Um, there will be separation of two empty machines in between each uh, machine available uh, for customers uh, at the gaming tables. Customers can't handle cards or chips, so that's all uh, on the part of the dealer. Um, and as such, uh, Kino and poker will not be offered for now, simply because, of course, you need to hold hold your cards close to your chest, so to speak, if you want to play those games. So those are off limits for right now. Uh, and the other big change, normally the casino is, of course, open 24 hours a day. Now it will be closed for five hours between 4 and, uh, and 9 a.m. every day to allow for, uh, for staff to come in, give it a good deep cleaning and, and disinfecting. So, uh, Peter, that is uh, definitely not your typical casino experience. Um, you know, no poker, places between people playing uh, the slots, so on and so forth, having to stay 
in certain areas. Uh, what do you think are some of the risks in reopening uh, a facility like this, uh, Peter? Well, ultimately, the casino was really sort of marketing to its visitors a, uh, an experience. And uh, so the big question is, once they change that experience, how will visitors uh, react? And uh, will they still sort of em embrace this new experience that the uh, the casino uh, is uh, is offering? Um, early indications have suggested that there are um, that there is uh, pent up demand. When we uh, touched base with the casino earlier this week, they said half of the available slots over the next three weeks have already been uh, been grabbed uh, grabbed up. And uh, they were fully booked for uh, for this coming weekend. So uh, we'll be really keen to uh, to, to see if uh, that, uh, that 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 trend, that demand, does uh, does continue for uh, for the coming weeks. Hmm. Yeah, it's something to watch uh, as you know we try to return a little bit to more to a, a normal situation. Um, Peter, we're going to move on to story number two. This one really caught my eye. Uh, very interesting uh, and big development. Uh, pitched uh, just kind of east of Saint Laurent Shopping Centre in a neighbourhood uh, often called Searville. Uh, tell us about what this big uh, property proposal entails. So this property is on Ogilvy Road, just northeast of uh, Searville Road. Um, Mike, I know you know uh, the landmark that always comes to my mind. It's uh, the Ogilvy Mandarin, uh, where we uh, often go for, for lunch when we're working <laughs> yeah, yeah. together out on Canatech. Uh, potentially, maybe just slightly more significant, though, is that it's just down the road from uh, the Searville LRT station, which, of course, is an asset that's only going to uh, grow in popularity as uh, stage two of the uh, Confederation line uh, is uh, is built out. So what's being proposed is, as you said, it's a really large scale development, 1.3 million square feet of apartment and uh, and hotels. That's going to be spread out across uh, four buildings. That includes uh, three towers of between 25 and 36 stories, as well as uh, an eight-story hotel. Um, fascinating. Uh, and an area that's been, uh, as I mentioned before, a little bit uh, underdeveloped or forgotten. Uh, really interesting idea behind the development. The hotel part threw me for a little bit of a loop, but uh, you know, that's just given the pandemic size that we're in. Dave, this isn't the, um, this isn't the only development uh, that's happening, uh, of course, in that part of the city along uh, the LRT. Tell us about uh, whether this might be a catalyst for even more development to come. Well, yeah, absolutely, Mike. A lot of people I talk to think it will be. Um, and just to mention, I, I've been to, uh, obviously, the Cerville LRT station. I haven't checked out Mandarin yet, uh, Peter, so I'm gonna, I'll have to get there someday. Uh, yeah, um, but in the meantime, yeah, um, we're already seeing in the general vicinity, we've got just down the road at Blair Station, Rio Can, Kiln Apartment Reed have already teamed up on, as anybody who's driven by, they've seen the Frontier apartment high rises out there. The second, uh, the second tower is just about finished. Um, uh, you've got Colonnade Bridgeport, an Ottawa company looking to partner with a Toronto-based group uh, near, via, near the Via Rail Station on a mixed-use urban village, as they call it. Uh, you've got the feds, looking to partner with a private sector developer to build a mix of office space, residential units, parks and shops near Salara. Well, the one of the men behind the Searville development, Denny Archambault, says, hey, if all this stuff can happen, why not Searville too? I mean, he, he said originally when they bought the property, they were proposing townhomes. That was about eight years ago. Then they looked and realized, well, wait, we're only 400 meters from, a, from what's going to be uh, a light rail station 
that's going to serve thousands of people every day. So uh, the, the way to go and the city agreed was this transit-oriented development, more intensification. That's why they switched to this proposal. He sees it as a winner. He says the apartments, um, apart, rental apartments were the way to go because he thinks it's going to attract younger tenants who, who don't need to have a car. They can still maybe work downtown or hey, if they're working from home, they can get downtown in, in less than 10 minutes on the train. Um, Emily McClelland is a commercial real estate advisor at Colliers International. I spoke to her the other day as well. Um, she's particularly motivated to, to see this neighborhood developed as well because she lives uh, near this proposed development. And she just, she says she drives around and sees all this potential for development in the area. Lots of vacant land, but just nothing being done with it. Uh, as she puts it, basically all you see is gas stations. Um, so she really thinks that there's a, a lot of untapped potential in this area uh, to, to uh, really kind of, um, you know, kind of take advantage to proximity to public transit here uh, and make, uh, um, make this kind of, um, you, you, know, you know, kind of maybe an up and coming neighborhood for this type of uh, mixed use projects. I agree with her take gas stations, uh, brown fields, and certainly lots of room for potential. The thing that really interested me is in all those projects that you mentioned was the, um, was the confidence that these developers are, um, uh, are exhibiting at this time to make this level of investment and the confidence that LRT will run <laughs> on a regular basis, that is. Uh, but let's leave that, that's a whole other, uh, that's a whole other story. So let's move on to yeah. uh, story number three. And Dave, we're going to start with you this time. Uh, we all know that one of the, the most uh, severely impacted segments of the local uh, economy uh, are hotels. And uh, many of them are open now. Um, and many of them are seeing a bit of a recovery in terms of occupancy. Dave, tell us what's going on. Yeah, well, Mike, uh, I think the operative word there is a bit of a recovery. Um, I did speak to a few hoteliers this week, uh, one of them um, being Wayne Day. He is the new general manager of the, uh, the Hilton Garden Inn and Homewood Suites. Those are the properties that, um, as, as I'm sure most of you will remember, the, um, the old Delta on Queen Street. Well, a couple of years ago, uh, Moorgard redeveloped that property, uh, brought in Hilton, uh, to take over as, um, as the brand there. And, um, and they've been doing a great business there at that property previously, typically uh, uh, with an occupancy rate of around 85%, even early in the year. Um, then suddenly the pandemic hit and all that business evaporated. They were below 10% um, for a long time, barely a couple of dozen of the 350 rooms being occupied. Well, I talked to Dave the other day and he said, uh, you know, uh, he said that um, in the last few weeks, they've been running at closer to 40%. Now that's still a long way from the, uh, from what you would typically see in, in, in the, in the summer uh, tourism peak of July and August, you know, in the 80%, 90% range. But he said it's better than he had hoped for. I mean, really. And he said uh, that was largely due to a couple of things. Um, they've got a few corporate bookings that have brought, kind of extended stays, uh, including a group from Amazon that's doing training uh, at their Boundary Road warehouse. But he's also interestingly seeing an uptick in, uh, in, uh, in day trippers, if you will, those, uh, those, um, 
uh, the, the people hopping in their cars, uh, coming in from Montreal, Toronto, places like that. People wanting to get out of the city, wanting to check out at least something uh, that's not in their backyard. And uh, so they're coming to Ottawa. And a lot of the reasons are bringing their bikes, actually, to uh, check out the bike trails and, um, and, you know, catch, just be able to walk around the canal or the Byward Market and, um, and you know, uh, check things out, get a bit of a change of scenery. But he says this is also happening last minute. Uh, typically, their booking window would be three weeks out. Lately, he says it's been more like three days. People just calling, saying, hey, have you got a room for tomorrow? That kind of thing. So, so he's hoping that that bodes, uh, that, that's a, that that's a trend that will bode well for the future. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. 40%, as we indicated, I mean, it's an improvement, but it's still kind of half the vacancy rate. And um, Peter, one of the city's uh, most iconic hotels, of course, the Chateau Laurier, the Fairmont Chateau Laurier. Uh, tell us about uh, what things are like there and uh, maybe a couple of their hotels. Yeah, interesting. It's a remarkably similar story. They're seeing uh, an uptick uh, in travelers. Uh, again, uh, like what uh, Dave mentioned, often uh, from Toronto, Montreal, other uh, markets within driving distance. And uh, they're also reporting that uh, a, um, a lot of, of customers are coming and uh, bringing their, uh, their, their bicycles. Uh, across across the entire city, uh, right now we have about two thirds of uh, the uh, the local uh, hotels open, and that's up from uh, about fifty percent at the, uh, the depth of the the, the pandemic. Occupancy is standing at about twenty percent. Good news is that that's about double uh, what it was uh, just uh, just a couple of months ago. But again, as Dave mentioned, you know what we should be seeing around this time is closer around to eighty percent. So again, we're seeing you know that uptick in in leisure travel, but uh, this is the landscape does point that it's still um, a long road ahead for uh, for the city's hospitality industry. Yeah, this is prime time, as you said, Peter, for leisure travel. As we look forward to the fall, we're not that far away from September, October. You know, you start to wonder if there'll be any business-like travel, and and I don't know if uh, I don't know if we can be too optimistic about that. But I mean, we can check in with Ottawa Tourism in, in coming weeks. So listen, that's all the uh, time we have for today. We would normally uh, give a little bit of a, a wrap-up at this point. I think if we were looking forward, we're looking forward to our vacations, not projects right now. So uh, this show is happening on a, on a weekly basis. We, we might be taking a little bit of a hiatus, uh, but you can still continue to uh, connect with OBJ. Uh, one of the great options is to visit our website at obj.ca. That website's updated uh, throughout the day, that much of that effort is led by David, led by the, uh, David Sally. Uh, you can also watch this podcast on YouTube. Uh, if you're doing that, uh, please follow us and hit the little bell icon to get notifications about future videos. You can listen to us on uh, Spotify. Uh, just uh, search uh, Beyond the Headlines and also SoundCloud. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Peter Cavessi and David Sally, I'm Mike Curran signing off for Ottawa Business Journal. Please. Uh, Please stay in touch.